Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. All right, we want to greet everybody who's worshiping with us online and all of you who are here in person. If we haven't met, I'm Chip Freed, the lead teaching pastor here. Um, and I, I love that video to remind us what the church really is. We're in a teaching series really about the church, and we entitled it, Jesus Never Said, Attend Me. He never said, attend me. Uh, how many of you out there get our weekly e-note? Just raise your hand. I'm just curious how we're doing. Man, it's only about 20, about half. Uh, if you want to get that weekly e-note, well, pastors, we write one every Monday. Just kind of send out, begin your week with a devotion, talk about where we're going, what's happening in the church. Just uh, email info, I-N-F-O, info at garfieldchurch.org. Say, I'd like to receive the e-note, and we'll put you um, on the mailing list. Uh, in the e-note this past week, I talked about the misconception that so many people have about what church is. There was an idea out there, and it became very prevalent, and I don't know where it came from because it's not biblical, that the church was a meeting that you went to once a week in a building. That, that's the definition of church. It's a building, it's, it's, a, it's a place, it's a, it's a gathering. Um, now, worship is essential part of our life as believers, uh, seekers, doubters, whoever, whatever category we put ourselves in. Worship is important, but that's not the church. What that is, is the attend me church. They thought Jesus said, attend me. But Jesus said, follow me, right? And there's a difference between the attend me church and the follow me church. And we all found that out during the pandemic in 2020. Because the attend me church disappeared. It went away. It, it, it wasn't, you know, around. And guess what else disappeared when the attend me church disappeared? The people who belonged to it. They all disappeared, and they're not coming back. If Barna's right, 30% of people in America who claim they were active in church in 2020 are no longer part of it. They're gone because they belong to the Attend Me Church, and the Attend Me Church is not going to stand up to the gates of hell, let alone a pandemic, right? But the Follow Me Church and, and the people who belong to it, you're all here today, you're online uh, they're around uh, everywhere in America. The people who belonged to the Follow Me Church knew the church never closed. It was always open. You can't close the church. You're the Follow Me Church, and you were part of it, and you were active, you're online. Uh, you didn't quit giving. You didn't quit serving. You didn't quit uh, life as a mission. And, and that's the church that we all need to be a part of because Jesus didn't say, attend me. He said, follow me. In fact, he went further. He said, if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself. That means give up your personal preference, your personality, your past experience, and your political persuasion. Take up your cross. Nobody really chooses to do that, but you do. And follow me. 
That's the church that we're talking about. And so Pastor Kurt kicked us off in this series saying that people who are part of the Follow Me Church are people who give. They're generous. They give of their time, their talent, and their treasure because they want to see God's movement continue on earth as it is in heaven. And last week, Pastor Scott talked about the, the Follow Me Church is full of people who serve. I put a, a great quote from uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He preached it uh, uh, literally uh, two months to the day that he was martyred for his faith. And he was at Ebenezer Church, and he just stopped his sermon. And he said, you know what? Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. He said, you don't even have to conjugate your noun and your verb to be able to serve. You don't have to be brilliant to serve. He said, all you have to have is a heart full of love and a life full of grace. And, 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 and today, I want to say, people in the Follow Me Church, they're people who give, they're people who serve, and they're people who invite their friends. I love this story of Levi, the call of Levi, the tax collector. It's in all three of the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell it. And whenever they tell the same story, it's a really pivotal story. And it's the call of Levi, the tax collector. Although if you read Matthew 9, Matthew gives up the goods and says, yeah, it's me, I'm Matthew. I used to be Levi, but Jesus called me Matthew. You know, I love how God renames people. You ever see that? Simon becomes Peter. Saul becomes Paul. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Do you know in Revelation, I put this on my social media this week, there's a verse I love in chapter 2 of Revelation, verse 17. It said, to all who persevere, all who conquer, I will give a little white stone. And on that stone is a name that the only one who will know it is the one who will receive it. I carry a little white stone in my pocket. My wife gets mad because I throw my jeans in the washer and I forget to take it out. But I have it when I'm having a tough week. I just put it in there. You know why? Because I remember that God has a name for me. I don't even know what it's going to be, but I'm the only one that gets it. Right? And, and, and Levi meant joined. It meant united with in the Hebrew. See, but Levi, the tax collector, was despised. Tax collectors were collaborators with the Roman Empire, and they were hated by their people. They weren't joined with their people. They weren't united with their people. Most of them, a lot, most of them got very rich, right, doing it, and some of them were probably greedy. Some may have had to do it. Desperate people do desperate things at the, at the cost of their lives, but he was not connected. He was connected in name only. Don't be a follower of Christ connected in name only. Don't, don't, don't call on the name of Jesus like it's a, you know, personal assistant, Siri. You know, the, the little, what's it, the Staples has that button. What's it called? Easy buttons. I knew one of you guys would know that. That's why, you know, I got to start paying you to be research assistants. Um, but, you know, Levi was not joined. He wasn't connected. But Jesus reconnects him to community. You know what I call that? He re Members him, right? Do you remember the thief on the cross cried out, Lord, remember me? You ever think about what that means? Remember, bring me back into membership. Bring me back into community. When you come into your kingdom, Jesus, would you remember me? Would you enlist me? Would you join me? Would you reconnect me? Would you reestablish me? Would you covenant with me? Would you be my friend? 
And Jesus says, come here, Levi. <laughs> I got a new name for you. You're now Matthew. You know what Matthew means? My son Matthew's up on stage up here. That's why we named him that. Gift of God. Gift of grace. Be careful who you let name you. A lot of people name you. They may name you fat. They may name you ugly. They may name you stupid or worse. Be careful who you let name you. Don't let anybody name you but Jesus. And if they try to name you, say, I got a name. I got a little white stone. God remembers me. God knows me. God loves me. Come here, Levi. You are a gift of God. The religious people in that day and age saw a tax collector, but Jesus saw a precious child of God. Don't let anybody name you but Jesus. And once he is remembered... Once, once Levi, now Matthew, is remembered, what does he do? He remembers all his friends. And he throws the biggest tax collector party in the history of the world. You know, they had to be a little nervous. You know those parties, they used to have sting operations where they would send out to people with warrants, hey, you just want a big TV, and, and you show up, and all of a sudden 20 SWAT people jump out of the closets at big, big lots or whatever, you know what I mean? And it, I have, that was taxing, I'm going to be like, wow, this, we're all going to be in one place. Man, we're an easy target for the Israeli, uh, you know, Sakari assassins. But they came, and, and, and Levi invited Jesus. I love that. I just love it. Jesus had to show. Can you imagine Jesus walking into this riffraff party? In fact, they, they called him a, a drunkard and a glutton. Remember? That's what they called Jesus. And they chided him. They called him a friend of sinners. And you know what? He took it as a compliment. Because he was. And I got to believe he walked into that party and he looked at who used to be Levi Matthew. And he said, I love your heart. Because people like this you invite. When you've been, when you've, when you've received this gift of grace and love and you're grateful for it, you can't help it. Oh, it overflows out of your life, right? It, it becomes part of who you are. You've received this amazing gift. In fact, H.E. Luckock was a pastor, a Methodist pastor in Houston. He's gone home to be with God, but I used to read his sermons and read his books. And I remember he talked about, he was in Houston. He went to the MD Anderson to visit uh, a parishioner who was in the hospital there. And he got off the floor. It was in the pediatric oncology floor. And he got off the floor, and as soon as he walked off the elevator, he said there was this young adult, maybe in their 30s, had walked out of a room down the hall, saw H.E. Luckock, sprinted down the hall, jumped and hugged him around his neck and looked at him and said, her fever is broken. Her fever is broken. She's going to make it. And he ran back down the hall. And Luckock wrote in his notes, here is a man who has received such good news that he has to grab the first stranger he sees and tell him about it. That's Matthew. That's the follow me church. We've received such good news, it, it grows out of our hearts. Anybody ever heard the term uh, accredited to St. Francis that says preach the gospel at all times and if you have to, use words? It's really a, it's a nice sentiment. There's two problems with it. One, St. Francis never said it. And two, usually the people that quote it never use words. You know, Paul, who used to be Saul when he was renamed, he said two things uh, you do guarantee salvation. He wrote this in Romans 10. He said, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? Confess with your lips, believe in your heart. We got an awful lot of people walking around there saying, hey, I believe in my heart. But that's half the equation. You got to open your mouth. Why? Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear? Everybody say this. Without someone to proclaim him. Open your mouth. It was Matthew who wrote, out of the abundance of your heart. He's the only one that wrote that, that Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. If you're full of grace and you're full of love of Christ, share it. Blessed and beautiful are the feet of those who bring gospel, who bring good news, right? You need, we need to have a spirit of invitation. It needs to be contagious. You know, when I got here in 2004, Garfield was on a 30-year decline in membership, worship attendance, children, and we wanted to break that decline. So we brought in a consultant to kind of help us, and one of the things he said to us, he said, spend 10% of your budget on marketing and advertising. That was shocking to some people. We were like, why would we do that? He said, well, you can either do that, or everybody in church can commit they're not going to come to church unless they come with one of their friends, but you guys are mainline people, and you're probably not going to do that. So And for the first three years, we spent $50,000 a year on marketing and advertising. But by year four, as we doubled the size of this church in about four or five years, we didn't have to spend that money anymore. You know why? Because everybody was inviting. I hope that didn't die during COVID. If it did, we wouldn't spend $50,000 on advertising yet. So you guys are going to cost us money. Invite, invite, invite. Invite, and so invite to what? Is this just about invite to church? Is this, oh, Chip's going to have a bring a friend Sunday next? No. Here's some things you need to invite if you're full of the grace and love of Jesus. Invite them first into your heart. Invite them into your heart. Now, we've, this word heart in the Bible is so much different than the way we use it, right? Heart wasn't this organ pumping blood into your body. Heart wasn't Valentine's Day or, you know, romantic movies, Right? Um, I can't think of a good one right now. It's not the notebook that, that I hit anybody's wheelhouse. I'm always worried about my millennials with my illustrations. They're like, I, I got to keep Google on because Chip is old. Um, but it's not that. That's not what the heart is. In the Greek and in the Hebrew, the heart was the center of who you are. That's why we can turn to those words in John 14. I just did a funeral a few weeks ago for some of uh, charter members of our very first church Terry and I ever served. And I read from Matthew, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's what Jesus says. Now, when you're talking to wounded people who are hurting and mourning, that can be a little cold-blooded if you read a heart as like emotions. Like, don't cry, have a stiff upper lip. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus wept with Martha. Do you ever think about that? Jesus wept, shortest verse in the Bible. Not just a trivia answer, a, a, a deep theological answer, because Jesus wept with Martha, even knowing that in five minutes he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. What does that tell you? If we feel it, he feels it. Right? And, and he says, it's not that you're not going to weep, it's not that you're not going to mourn, but don't let your center... Don't let the center of your being lose faith and hope and trust in me. That's what it is. And we need to lit people into our centers, into our hearts. 
Uh, if you've taken Strength Finders 2.0 with us, Ministry by Strengths, if you haven't, you need to. We've had over a thousand folks go through it. And in, in that, there's something called the empathy strength. And the empathy strength, they say, uh, uh, Gallup says, is you feel others' pain as if it's your own. All Christians need to have that kind of empathy. We need to let our hearts be broken by the things that break the heart of Jesus. We need to let people into our hearts. I love uh, how Mark tells this verse, uh, this story. Mark says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw, watch the big title, Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. See, Jesus doesn't just know your name. He knows all your business. You know, that's why I was loving when Leah was up here preaching, you know, that uh, he sees the depths of our heart and loves us the same. I got a lot of Christians around, around sometimes say, no, oh, God knows my heart. And I, I, I'm ornery and I'll go, ooh, is that good news? <laughs> God knows everything you fantasize about. God knows all those things you're greedy about. God knows all the bitterness and people you've been judging. Maybe it's a little frightening when we say, God knows my heart. Because he does. He sees you all the way down and loves you the same. You know, all those people saw was Levi the tax collector. And Jesus saw a precious, beloved child of God made in God's own image. That's why I, I get so frustrated. All the religious leaders are like, why is he doing this? Why is he eating and drinking with sinners? Right? Don't you hate those folks? They're so fun to be around. They really are. They, they can ruin every party. I think they get up in the morning and suck on lemons, and I don't know what they do. And Jesus said, those who are well don't need a physician. Those who are sick come not to call righteous people. Well, there's no such thing. I come to call people who know they're broken. That's why I hate the, I detest this little slogan. Have you ever heard it? Hate the sin, love the sinner. I just... Oh my God, the hair on my head and neck stands up when I hear that. That is so condescending. Hate the sin, love the sinner. No, love the sinner. Jesus did. And hate your own sin. Whatever separates you from God. I am so sick and tired of Christians who are experts about everyone's sins but their own. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. And Jesus said, look, you're blind to your own brokenness. You can't see it, that you too are sick. There's a, sin, there's a sinner deep inside of you. And this is the good news for me, is Jesus is not intimidated by sin. He's not. He doesn't like sin, but he's not intimidated by it. He's not intimidated by Satan. He's not intimidated by you. So if you think you're too lost to be found, you're too broke to be fixed, you're too bad to ever be saved, Jesus has seen it all before. He saw Levi, he saw all his generational garbage, he saw him sitting at the tax booth exploiting others, and he said to him, you are still beloved of God, you're Matthew, come and follow me. And, and he, he, Jesus invited him into his heart, right? He invited him into the center of his being, and, and he, showed, he showed him mercy. But in fact, uh, I'll get to that one later, I almost screw them up in the back. So invite them into your heart. Here's the second thing. Invite them into safety. You know, safety is our number one core value at Garfield. Physical safety, sure. 
Absolutely. You know, we, we have security. We have a lockdown children's wings. We've got check-ins. So we want to be safe like that. But most importantly, safety spiritually. This needs to be a safe place to search. We don't need people sitting around saying, you? I remember the first time I ever preached, I had to go back to Youngstown, Ohio, my hometown, and I preached in a little Methodist church. I wasn't ordained yet, which means I didn't glow in the dark yet. Um, but, but I was, you know, preaching at this church, and I think I was like, and my wife was there, and that caused a ruckus anyways, because back in the 80s when the interracial couple showed up, that was big news in the church. But I was out there preaching, and there was this woman in the choir, kid you not, and she had been one of my teachers in like the seventh grade, and she leaned forward, and she said, is that Chip Freed? <laughs> yeah, that, I don't want to go to that church. I don't want to go to that church. I want to go to that church that says, hey, welcome, Chip Freed, child of God. You know, I mean, we need to be a safe place. And, you know, when Moses was called by God at the burning bush, I'm so full of Holy Spirit today, I might get a little crazy. I'm just going to warn you. I'm looking at my clock. I'm, I'm going to go over. <laughs> Alert. Um, when Moses at the burning bush, he said, Lord said, take off your feet because where you're standing is holy ground. I used to think, oh, you take off your feet because it's like the great and powerful Oz, right? We're all to tremble like the tin man. But you know what that really meant? You only took off your, your shoes, your sandals in that day and age to walk into somebody's tent because they would have furs, animal furs down, and your feet were safe. God says, come over here, Moses, you're safe with me. And we are supposed to be this. If you're a follower of the Follow Me Church, if you're a Jesus follower, Christians should be the safest people in the world. They should be the safest people. Empathy, strength, Gallup says you have a sign around your neck, invisible sign that says you're safe with me. And that's why Matthew would later say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Not just peaceful people, but peacemakers. We're to be out there to promote safety and let people know they're safe with God, right? I had a situation a few weeks ago. Terry and I went out to eat at a restaurant. It was a brand new restaurant. We're foodies. Anytime anything opens, we go. It happened to be an Asian restaurant, and, and there was a young adult, Asian young woman, who was the only person. She was a delight, and she greeted us, and we were having a meal there. And about halfway through our meal, this guy walks in, and he walks down, and you know, they have the takeout orders, and he grabs one, and he starts to walk out, and uh, the young woman chases him behind the bar. She's going, sir, 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 all the way down. And I said, I know he hears her because I'm way over here, and I hear her, but he just ignored her. Sir, sir. He got outside. He walked out to his car. She ran around the bar and chased him, and she's like 80 pounds, and this dude's as big as me. He's bigger in my mind. Anyhow. <laughs> But she chases him down, and he he's just ignores her, and he starts to open his car door, and she shuts it. And now he gets real aggressive, and he whips open his door, and he jumps down. She puts her hand over here, and now I'm like, I got to do something. And I got up, and I made a beeline out there. because I'm. Do you know hate crimes against Asian Americans went up by 600% after 2020? You know that? I hope you do. Right? Words matter. And she's sitting there, and all I can think is she's going to get her drug away in this car. So I walked out there, I put my arm around her, and I said, honey, I want you to come back in. I want you to be safe. And she's flustered. I said, look, if he didn't pay, I'll pay. 
I just want you to be safe. I don't want you to get hurt. And she started crying. She goes, this is so stupid. And he goes, yeah, and you're blank and stupid. And I said, sir, she is not stupid. She is a precious child of God. I don't usually talk that way. You know, it just, sometimes the Holy Spirit gives you just the right words. And I said, come on, hey, we're going back inside. And I walked her back inside, and she's shivering, and she's crying. And I uh, got her back in there, and she went in the back room. And lo and behold, here comes the brother into the restaurant. Now he's yelling at the manager. And he's like, uh, he's going, I'm going to sue you because she shut my arm in the door. She didn't do that. I saw it. So now I go over, I'm ministering to the manager. I don't know why I became the restaurant pastor all of a sudden. I don't know. I, I mean, like, did I, was I a thousandth one to cross the door? I don't know. Did I order the pastor meal or something? You know, I just want to have a meal. But I'm saying, no, it's all right. I saw everything. Now this brother goes out and he calls the police. So now, what was supposed to be a quiet hour meal, my wife, Rhonda is sitting right there. She witnessed this. And it was supposed to be an hour meal. My wife turns into a three and a half hour, hour ordeal as I'm filling out police reports and ministering to the cops and trying to reach out to the brother, but he's not interested in me. And, and, uh, and yeah, I'm in the middle of it. Why am I telling that story? Just, oh, your pastor has a cape on his back? No. A lot of people would think I was rather reckless. Yeah, you too. I, I said, I, I'm with you. Ah, reckless. I'm telling you this because here's the deal, friends. Christians always get in the middle of it. Christians don't run away from trouble. They try to go and stop trouble before it starts. They are peacemakers. Only Christians do that. Only people who follow me do that. You sacrifice comfort. You sacrifice preference. You sacrifice something. In Philippians 2, put the needs of others ahead of your own. And I went home, and Terry's on the phone with one of her siblings telling them this story. And I'm in the other room, and I'm hearing it. And then I hear her say, you know, this is a crazy day and age. People are carrying guns all the time. She's like, Chip could have been shot. I could have lost my husband. And then she said, but he did what he had to do, and it would be a good way to die. Only Christians talk like that. Only follow me church people talk like that. Invite them into safety. All right, I'm going to hurry. Third, invite them into your circle. Into your circle. We all have our circles. Let people come into your circle, right? Our, our mission here is to widen the circle. Connect diverse people who share a common brokenness with Jesus. Because as you make room for others, guess what? You make room for God. That's why Paul, who was a, a, a nationalist, he hated Gentiles, and then Jesus made, he hated Christians, then Jesus touched his life, he became a Christian, and God said, I'm going to make you an apostle to the Gentiles. I'm going to make you go amongst those people you used to hate and tell them about me. And Paul did it, and he found new life. And in Ephesians 3, you know what he wrote? He said, I'm praying for all of you. Who is all of you? All of us. I'm praying that all of you might grow into fullness, that you might come to know what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Jesus Christ that passes all knowledge. That as you widen your circle, as you extend yourself, as you meet diverse others, as you let people into your, your little space, your knowledge will grow and you'll learn more and more about me. I love this story. I, I heard it uh, in the news. There's a woman named Wanda Dench. Wanda Dench um, texted her grandson back in 2020 and wanted to see if he would come to her home for Thanksgiving. What she didn't know was her grandson, who was away at college, had traded in his phone. And it wasn't his number anymore. The phone belonged to a young man named Jamal Hinton. 
He's 17 years old. And Jamal texted back and said, ma'am, I think you might have the wrong number. Uh, my name is Jamal Hilton. I'm 17 years old. I attend such and such high school. But he said, but by the way, can I grab a plate? And you know what she did? She said, sure you can. That's what grandmas do. And Jamal Hinton went over and had Thanksgiving meal with the Dunches. Here's a picture of them. African-American youth meets Duck Dynasty, right? <laughs> That's what happens when you widen your circle. And you know what? He has had Thanksgiving with Wanda ever, ever since. And not only is he having Thanksgiving, he brought his new fiance. And then what Jamal did is he posted on his Twitter account everything that was going on in the story, and that's how the news picked it up. The only thing, you've got to be careful with 17 years old. Sometimes they're not the brightest tools in the shed. Um, see, I just did that. I, I'm supposed to say the brightest bulb or the sharpest tools, so God got even with me. I love teenagers. I had three of them. Thank God they're grown. Um, but what he did when he tweeted this out, he accidentally left Wanda's phone number in it. You know what happened? She got 600 texts saying, can we grab a plate too? <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that, I mean, Louis Armstrong got it right. When we live like that, what a wonderful world. And that, that, that's what happened to Matthew. So we, we invite them into our hearts, invite them to safety, safe places, safe harbors. And we invite them into our circles. But here's the most important one. We invite them to meet Jesus. Invite people to church. What the woman at the well say when, after her life was changed? She went out and said, come and meet the man who changed my life. And you know what, folks? You can't do this unless you've met him yourself. It, it, you, you know, I, there was a Christian writer, an author I love way back in the 90s. And he said, I, I, he said, I grew up in the church and I sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. He said, that really wasn't true. I should have sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for my mother told me so. Yeah. Next week is Mother's Day, hint, hint. But he said, that wasn't even enough. He said, now that I'm a man, here's what I sing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for I met him, and he told me so. That's Matthew's story. That's the gift of God, that he met Jesus, that he met him. And he told people about, he told his tax collector friends, but watch this, this is the most beautiful thing. He invited his friends who previously were his enemies. He wrote the gospel of Matthew, which is the gospel that is specifically written to Jewish religious people like those Pharisees who judged him. It's the one gospel we have that says this was to fulfill, this was to fulfill, this was to fulfill, and talks about Old Testament prophecy. He's writing to those who formerly condemned him and said, come and meet this man too. What a wonderful world it will be if we could do that. We have a Mosaic Christmas Eve. We sing a little song, a rendition of Go Tell It on the Mountain, but it includes these words that aren't in the original hymn, and this is what I want for you. Tell them he loves them. Tell them the truth. Tell them he died upon that cross for me and you. Tell them your story, how he made you new. Tell them he's the best thing that's ever happened to you. I was, I was at a conference this past week, and a song we worship down there, uh, and I couldn't get, I can't get out of my head. I texted Dre and Leah, and I'm like, I can't get this song out of my head. And it simply says this. It says, fear is not my future. 
You are. Sin is not my story. You are. Heartbreak is not my home. You are. Death is not the end. You are. Don't let anybody name you by God, but God. And when he does, and when you receive Jesus. See, we've screwed up in the church. We've told people, you need to invite Jesus into your life. Jesus does not want to come into your life. Your life is a wreck. <laughs> but he invites Levi, and he invites you, and he invites me into his life. And his life is full of purpose. And his life is full of meaning. And his life is everything you've been looking for. Come unto me, he said, when you are broken up and weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you everything you've been searching for. Rest for your souls. Pastor Terry's going to come and invite us to the table. Come on out, Pastor. And we remember Jesus was chided because he ate and drank with sinners. You know why that was so powerful? Because eating and breaking bread together was a symbol of friendship. As Pastor Terry makes the invitation, Jesus will speak to her, inviting us to come into his life and receive the friendship of God. Amen?